Welcome to One Life Online, a podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28, titled Rock House, Sand House, presented by Martin Muchoki. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word, by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to his will by his grace. Matthew 7, 24 to 29. We are coming to the end of Jesus' sermon on the mount. Therefore, verse 24, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine, and does them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Our gracious and eternal Heavenly Father, as we approach your word this day, we pray that it would have a free course in our hearts and in our life. We pray that you would speak to us wonderful things as we have sung, beautiful things. Our life is given to you, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Deliverer, our everything. Without you, we are nothing. May you deliver and heal and sustain and rebuke and encourage and edify and instruct in all righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Therefore, verse 24, what is this therefore? Therefore, we wonder. Why does Jesus include it here towards the end of his sermon? Last Sunday, if you attended the service, we looked at verse 13 to verse 23. And I mentioned that Jesus is concluding his sermon on the mount. This is the greatest sermon that has ever been delivered. There is no one who will ever preach a greater, a stronger, a wiser a better, a more magnificent, a heavenly sermon than this one. Hundreds of thousands, probably millions of sermons have been preached from just Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. They are indeed beautiful, wonderful words of life. And now Jesus finishes this by saying, therefore, therefore, If you want to know the way into the kingdom of heaven, 
It is by going through the small gates. This is all that I am telling you about entering the kingdom of heaven. If you want to know the way to the kingdom of heaven, it is by walking along the narrow way. Oh, there is another gate. It is wide, but it leads to destruction. I'm not going to hide it from you, Jesus says. I'm going to make it plain to you. There is another gate. It is very broad. But if you go through that gate, you are going to destruction, to eternal damnation. Please be aware of false prophets, of those who will come to you in sheep clothing, pretending to be sheep, to be good, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They are ferocious wolves. They are coming to tear your soul. Then he tells them, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is very uncharacteristic the way he ends his sermon of, say, modern preachers. Most people, when they, most preachers, when they finish their sermon, they finish with a story or an illustration or an invitation to salvation. But Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, and we saw that, Lord, Lord, the implications of it, speaking of a special relationship, special intimacy. Jesus is saying it is not merely feelings of special intimacy that earn approval before God. Those have their place, but it is not merely that. Then he says it is not features of supernatural acts that earn merit before God. No. There have been people like Judas, who was counted one among the twelve, and had power over demons, and to heal all manner of sicknesses and diseases, so Matthew chapter 10 tells us. But at the end of the day, he perished. He was the son of perdition. There were people like Janus and Jambras who opposed Moses, and they did supernatural things, but they did it by the power of Satan. So it is not these features it is not feelings, because feelings fluctuate. Feelings are fleeting. You know that, I know that. Then what is it? Jesus says it is faith. It is obedient faith to God's will. Only those who do the will of God. Or many will come and say, we did many wonderful works. We cast out demons. We prophesied in your name. And I will say, I never knew you. But this person who is obedient and has a lifestyle of obedient faith to God, then this person is the person who shall enter the kingdom of God. That's how he chooses to end his sermon. And therefore, he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, whoever hears my sayings, not just listening to the words, but catching the heart of Jesus, understanding this is Jesus who is speaking, the name above all names, God himself, has proclaimed himself, has declared himself, has presented himself. Jesus wants us to hear and to see him. So he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, then we wonder which sayings is Jesus referring to when he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine. When he launched into his public ministry, he said, I came to preach and teach about the kingdom. The Bible tells us he preached the gospel. He preached the kingdom of God by the power of the Spirit. And he taught. 
He said, for example, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus said, but he also healed. He also cast out demons. And because we humans are very attached to our physical and material needs, many people followed him. See chapter 5 and verse 1. The multitudes followed him. A crowd of people went after him, not, not, not for the teaching or for the preaching, but for the things that he did, because they had many needs like we have many needs today. And so what Jesus did is that he went up on a mountain. And then, so to speak, he took a seat. And then he sat down. And his disciples came to him, chapter 5. And he opened his mouth. Why does Matthew include this? He opened his mouth. He's going to speak, isn't he? He definitely has to open his mouth. Matthew does that to call our attention to something profound that he's going to say. So they sit and he sits and he opens his mouth and then he teaches them. He tells them this. Maybe they're expecting to hear something like the way the scribes and the Pharisees teach. He tells them, listen, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be meek. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Listen to me, my disciples. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. For the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are you who are pure in heart, because you shall see God. Blessed are you who suffer for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when people revile you and abuse you and say all manner of things against you, because of my name. Rejoice when that happens because the kingdom of God belongs to you. Listen, you are the salt of the earth. You are the ones who are going to give flavor to this earth. Jesus knows he'll not be there for a long time. I'm going to sprinkle you all over the earth like he has. And you're going to preserve it by your word. But don't lose your taste. If you lose it, you'll be good for nothing. It will just be the same as if you are taken and thrown out into the road and people trampled down on you. Jesus tells them, you are the light of the world. Jesus tells us, his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't go into your house and light a candle and put it under a basket. No one does that. It cannot be hidden. This is what you are going to do. Let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And praise him who is in heaven. I think not that I've come to abolish the law. I did not come to abolish the law. The law is good, the commandment is good. But I came to fulfill it. Till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass. Till all of it be fulfilled. Let me tell you, Whoever teaches one of these little ones to disobey my commandments, that person shall be called the least. He shall receive no honor, no praise from God. But the person who teaches one of the least of these ones to obey my commandments, that person shall be called great in the kingdom of God. 
are not great because of what they did. Except your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. So it is not by your own righteousness, dear disciples, Jesus says. Oh, you have heard of all manner of ways to earn righteousness before God. In fact, you have heard that it has been said, shall not kill. Now let me tell you now, that is the letter of the law. Let me give you the spirit of the law. If you are angry against your brother for no reason, you are guilty of murder. You are guilty of murder. If you are coming to present your gift to the altar, and then there you remember, oh, my brother has something against me. Don't wait for him to come. Go. Or leave your gift there. Go and reconcile with your brother. Don't go with your gift because you must have this intention of coming to present it before God. You first want to seek reconciliation. So go and seek reconciliation. Agree with your adversary while you're still on the way, lest he take you and throw you in prison. And when you're thrown there, you will not get out until you have paid the uttermost farthing, the last coin, you will have to pay it till you're free. So, you have heard it has been said, you shall not commit adultery. It's the letter of the law. I'm telling you now, I, Jesus, he says, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her in his heart has already committed adultery. Oh, you who are thinking my hands are clean, check your heart. Jesus says, this is what you shall do. Take drastic measures. Cut off your hand, cut off your leg. It's better to enter heaven without your hand, without your leg, than to enter hell with your whole body. Take drastic measures. Do spiritual amputation. Take drastic measures against sin, Jesus tells them. Oh, you have heard it has been said, whoever puts away his wife, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Oh, listen, the commandment, the institution, the office of marriage was not started with the law. It is bound up in creation. From the very beginning, it is he who said, shall leave your father and mother and be united together, and the two shall be one. Shall not divorce your wife for any reason. Jesus tells them. If you want to know about the kingdom of heaven, listen to me. Listen to me. Do not swear at all. I, I think this is, may affect your listening to me, but do not swear at all. Do not swear by heaven, because it is God's throne. Do not swear by the earth, for it is his footstool. Do not even swear by your own head. You cannot make one hair on your head white or black. You can't do it. You can't change it. Don't swear by it. People have told you this. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus says, don't retaliate. Do not retaliate. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. Can you hear me? No. Should I stop? Yes. Turn the other cheek also. If someone wants to sue you because of your coat, let him have your cloak as well. These are the sayings that Jesus is talking about in chapter 7. Instead of that, Jesus tells them, show love to one another. 
In fact, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Love them and care for them. Don't love only your neighbor. Love even your enemy. If you love only your neighbor, what difference does it make? Even the person who does not know God loves the people who are around him. There's no difference that that person is making. So love all people. Why? In view of the goodness of God. God makes his, his reign to reign on the just and on the unrighteous. Isn't it? On the righteous and on the unjust. God shows his common grace, Jesus tells them. Therefore, you must be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. When you're going to give, don't give so that everyone can see. Don't pray so that everyone can see that you're praying. Don't be like the Pharisees. They like to pray in the corners of the streets and in their synagogues so that they may be seen of men. When you're going to pray, this is what you're going to do. Get inside your house. No one can see you. Shut the door behind you. Go into your closet. And when you, have, you are there all alone, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret shall hear you. Oh, I don't know how to pray. Well, Jesus tells them, pray like this. Pray honoring God and giving glory to God and praising God and worshiping God. Say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then think about the will, the purposes, the desires of God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive. If you don't forgive, your father will not forgive you. If you forgive, then your father is going to forgive you. If you want to gather up treasure, make sure that you store it in heaven. In heaven, more than rust cannot destroy. There are no thieves who can break in and steal. There is none. So store up for yourselves treasures there. The eye, this eye is the light of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body shall be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body shall be full of darkness. Brothers and sisters, our life is determined by the light that we let in. Jesus tells his disciples. There are two big masters. The first master, capital M, is God. The other master, small m, is money. You can't serve both at the same time. No one can do it. You can't do it. The Pharisees, your religious teachers, the scribes, they tell you that you can do it, but I'm telling you now, you cannot serve God and money. Material possessions or lack of them only lead you to anxiety and more worry. Don't be worried about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about the future. Don't be worried about the things that are coming. God gave you life. He will give what you need to sustain it. God gave you a body. He will give you clothes to be able to cover yourself with. Is not life more important than what you need to sustain it? Is not the body more important than clothing? And therefore, you of little faith, don't be anxious. Do not worry. Trust in God. He will provide for you. He will sustain you. He will keep you, and he will make everything that you need available. So, don't be worried about tomorrow. 
This is what you're going to seek. You're going to seek first his kingdom. You're going to seek first God's redemptive purposes. And then secondly, you're going to seek his righteousness, his relational privileges, and then he will give all these other things. Do not judge, Jesus tells them. Do not judge. In the same way that you judge, you will be judged. In the same measure that you measure, it will be measured unto you. So make sure you measure correctly. Make sure you judge appropriately. Do not condemn people. Don't accuse people. Don't judge people harshly. There is a right place for evaluation. There is a right place for analysis. Don't take the place of the judge because you are not the judge. God is the judge. So have righteous judgment when you're standing before people. Jesus tells them. Hey, don't look at the speck that is in your brother's eye. Look at the log that is in your own eye. First, remove that. Then you'll be able to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Have a right examination of yourself. Then you can help your brother or your sister. Don't throw what is precious to dogs, to pigs. Don't take what is precious and give to them. The gospel is precious. The word of God is precious. Don't throw it to the dogs. Don't give it to those who continue to mock the word of God and to scoff at the word of God and to reject the word of God. Don't do that. Just leave them alone. And then you wonder, is Jesus saying that we should not preach to unbelievers? No. You feel, I need discernment. I need to know when to stop presenting the gospel to someone. I need to know when to stop presenting the gospel to those who mock it. Jesus says, ask for wisdom and you will receive it. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Or you want to know wisdom in terms of judging. When am I judging appropriately? When am I not judging appropriately? Ask, seek, and knock, and God will give it to you. Even for your own needs, ask God and he will give it to you. As a father, as a mother, when your son, when your daughter asks for bread, you don't give them a stone. When they ask for fish, you don't give them a snake. When they ask for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. You don't give them what will harm them. You give them what is good. What about Father who is in heaven? How much more he will not give you all the good things that you desire? In fact, he will give you the greatest gift of all, his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. And therefore, everything that you would want other people to do to you, do also to them. This is the summary of the law and the prophets. This is everything the Bible says. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And I know you're struggling to hear me, but I am this resilient to continue going on. So Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, verse 24, not only hears them, but also does them, this person shall be likened unto a wise man. This wise man, he built his house upon the rock. 
He built his house upon Jesus Christ. He built his house upon the right foundation. He built what he believed in on Christ Jesus himself. So when the floods came down, sorry, when the floods came up, when the rain came down, when the wind beat upon that house, the house stood still. Because this house was built upon the rock. It was built upon Christ Jesus himself. It was built upon the master. So Jesus is asking, what are you building upon? What am I building upon? What are we building upon? There is someone else. This other person built his house upon the sand. The climate of, of Israel, of Palestine, is very intemperate. Floods are not common, but when they come, they are very, very severe. Perhaps you've gone to one of those areas where a wide part of the river is left for long periods of time and that there is only sand remaining. So the foolish man comes and thinks, this is what I'm going to do. This is an easy place to build a house. It will take me a day, two, three days. I look at that wise man. He's so foolish. He's spending a lot of money and a lot of time building his house. Oh, wait until the storms come. Wait until the rain comes down like it is now. Wait until the floods come. That house that is built upon the sand is washed away. It falls down and Jesus says, its fall is very, very great. It's very, very massive. So some people think, I'm not going to build my life upon the solid foundation of God's word. I'm not going to build my life around the solid foundation of who Christ is. I'm going to build upon a shallow foundation. The storms, the trials, the tests, the tribulations, the hardships of life will come, they will test the quality of your house, of your beliefs, of your faith. And everyone will be able to see where you built your house upon, either on Christ the rock or on sand. And so Jesus ends by giving this place of decisive decision. Everyone has to choose which side they want to be on. Jesus is categorical. There are only two sides. There is heaven and hell. There is light and dark. There is right and wrong. There is one strong foundation and there is one foundation that is no foundation at all. When the house on the sand fell, the Bible says, great was the fall of it. It was obliterated. So sometimes you find people and you say, didn't we go to church with this person? Didn't we do great things with this person? Didn't this person preach to us? Didn't he deliver someone on a rainy morning when we couldn't hear him well? Didn't he lead songs powerfully? Didn't he do, didn't she do such and such? How could they have fallen this so greatly? They built their house upon the sand. So it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, when Jesus had finished what he was saying, the people were astonished at his doctrine. And this, kind of, this line comes up over and over again, especially in the five times where Jesus gives five teachings in Matthew. In chapter 5, in chapter 10, in chapter 13, in chapter 18, 
and in chapter 16, chapter 26, I'm sorry. Every time Jesus finishes, when he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew says, and when he had ended these sayings, the crowds were astonished at him. In chapter 13, when he finishes teaching about the kingdom of God using parables, it ends that the people were astonished at his teaching. In chapter 18, when he talks about forgiveness and he ends his teaching about forgiveness, the people were astonished at his teaching. When he delivers the Olivet Discourse in chapter 26, the people were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? Because verse 29 tells us, he did not teach them as the scribes taught them. He taught them as one having authority. The scribes taught in this way. They referred to people in the past. Oh, as it has been said by such and such rabbi, as it has been said by such and such teacher, as it was said by, by such and such tradition. So they would refer back to that. And that would be their source of authority. My source of authority as a pastor, as a preacher, is the word of God. But Jesus spoke on his own authority. You have heard it has been said, but I say unto you. You will even notice throughout the Gospels. He doesn't quote the Old Testament a lot. He speaks on his own authority, on his own power, because he is God. And so they were marveled at this man who came to preach to them, to teach to them, because he taught them as one who didn't have authority. And so this is how Jesus ends his sermon on the mount. This is how he concludes it. Not by a story, not by an illustration, certainly by a parable. But he's really calling you and me, all the believers, to weigh their lives, to ask yourself, on what foundation am I building upon? On which foundation does my house stand on? It's a question that I cannot answer for you. No one can answer it for you. Only you can answer it for yourself. Later, James echoed these words in James chapter 1 and verse 22 to verse 25. And he said this, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For the person who hears the word of God and does not do it is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror, like you did this morning. And then he sees his inadequacy and his ignorance and his foolishness and his sin. And, and he does have a proper evaluation of himself. The mirror here representing the word of God. So he looks at it and he sees how clean he is not. But then he turns away. He forgets how he looks like. He totally forgets it. Listen. On which foundation are you building upon? On which gate are you going through? On which way are you walking along? Where are you building the foundation of your entire life? Is it on Christ the solid rock? Or is it on anything else that is not Christ that is like sand? May the Lord help me and may the Lord help you to build on the right foundation. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you that 
over the past two and a half months, we've had the blessing and the privilege of looking up this sermon on the mount that you preached. You've had the honor of going through verse by verse of your sermon as we look at this Life of Christ series. Thank you for the Beatitudes. Thank you for telling us and making us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Thank you for giving us a right perspective of the law. Thank you for telling us it is not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law that is more valuable in your eyes. Thank you for correcting any false teaching. Thank you for telling us about the right attitude in giving and in prayer and telling us where to store our treasures and how we cannot serve God and wealth, God and money, God and mammon. Thank you for reminding us not to worry. What does that change? We tend to worry not about the present but the future. Help us not to be anxious about tomorrow, 26th of September, about next month and next year, but to trust you today. Thank you for telling us not to judge harshly, but to evaluate, to analyze, to investigate appropriately and rightly to have the proper discernment that we need to have, to remove the log in our own eye before we can remove the speck in our brother's eye. Thank you for reminding us the way that we should walk in and the gate that we should go through and the false prophets that we need to be aware of. Thank you for telling us that it is not those who say, Lord, Lord, who shall enter the kingdom of heaven. No. It is not by making a prayer, you tell us. It is by making application of what we hear. It is not by making a profession. It is by making a practice of the things that you teach us, that you tell us. It is by building on the right foundation, not on the wrong foundation. We are your children, dependent on you for grace to be able to endure through all life's adversities. Help us, carry us along, be with us, deliver us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission.